0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Common Room Talk. My name's Tony, and I'm your host. Now, this is going to be the last episode of Common Room Talk ever. Actually, no, I'm kidding. It's the last episode for Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. We are in the last chapter. We have somehow managed to break this down into three separate episodes, three different pieces where we're able to go through and talk about this chapter itself. And last week, we worked through the conversation between Harry and Dumbledore, which is by far my favorite part of the book and some of my favorite parts of the entire series. I love seeing the interactions with Dumbledore. You get to see just how smart and intelligent he is, how much control he has over the situations. And you get to really see a lot of the mysteries unfold. It's really kind of like seeing the unmasking of the Scooby-Doo villains. And sometimes it's who you thought it was. Sometimes it's not anybody you were even thinking about because they were in the beginning of the show for 30 seconds. And you get to have that excitement, the, the mystery of everything coming together and the way that things are working together. And you get little tidbits of Harry's past and things with this. Parents and the situations with Voldemort from 30, 40 years ago, or maybe a little bit um, earlier than that. But you get all of this history and all of these facts, and it's just always so interesting. And I love it. I love having those interactions. They're by far my favorite parts of the entire story. Now, for today, We only have a few pages left in our chapters. There's really not a whole lot going on here after the conversation. It's not going to take up a whole lot of time, but there are a few other things that I do want to talk about. But unfortunately, it might lead to a little bit of a shorter episode today. I would do my best to try and fill up the time, As much as possible, but I'm sure you guys don't want to listen to my ramblings that much and would like to actually hear more of the story and maybe talking points about that itself. So I will try not to rant and ramble too much. Now, last week I did say that I wanted to hear from you guys. I wanted to hear some of your experiences with Harry Potter, what Harry Potter has meant to you. And we did get an email from. A listener named Emily who has emailed us once previously and I I really wanted to share what she had to say and I I don't think she would have an issue with it she didn't have an issue with me sharing what I said or what she said to me last time and so without going into too much detail about it but it was a very nice email and I absolutely loved hearing what Emily had to say, and I want to make sure that I definitely understood it correctly. But to give you the synopsis of her email, she didn't start reading the Harry Potter series until later on in life. Um, She had started um, in third grade when the movie started coming out, and she really loved the first two movies, but she didn't watch any more of them because she, she knew that one day she would read the books. And so she waited two decades And during the pandemic, she had finally decided to make this happen, going through the movies. And I'm guessing, hopefully, I I don't want to say hopefully, because I don't know, but uh, maybe by then the books as well. not sure which one came through first, the books or the movies, but she started going through the movies. And unfortunately, uh, while going through reading Prisoner of Azkaban, um, her father, her dad uh, had suddenly passed away. And, While Harry Potter obviously wouldn't take the pain of that away, she did have an opportunity to escape from that pain for a little while uh, by getting into the books and and probably into the movies as well. And it was – she she says she's going through the audiobooks now uh, as as I had suggested. So I don't know if maybe Emily had not gone through audiobooks before if this is her first time. And she says that it's been comforting to her to go through these. And she says in here, I'll even put the movies on when I'm down and need to escape or cheer up. And it's, it's really cool to see that. And I can't imagine first off, Emily, I'm so sorry for your loss. I can't imagine going through that kind of pain, Um, but I can't imagine going through pain and using Harry Potter as an escape because I've done that uh, literally my entire life. And It's so cool to hear that that has been a means of escape for you, that you have been able to get away and use Harry Potter in that way to to not so much heal but to just be able to move away from the pain and then probably be able to revisit it to properly handle it. But it is – so much to so many people, that being the Harry Potter stories. It has helped people escape. It has helped people cope. It has helped people forget. It has given people a place to be safe. And that's what I love about it. It is, as I said in one of my early episodes, a safe place. It has been a safe place for me. It's somewhere that I can go and I can escape. And something that Emily said at the very end of her email that I really enjoyed was, you're never too old to fall in love with the magic magic of Harry Potter. And that's amazing. And I agree, you're never too old. And just the magic in general, it, it's obviously it's fake, it's fiction. And I know that my last episode did get a little heavy. And I, I kind of went into a little bit of dark waters and I don't regret it. I, I know that it probably made people feel uncomfortable, but there was a reason why. And I wanted people to really start to think about that, that yes, these books are fake. Yes, these situations are fake. But as I said before in an earlier episode, no, there is not one time in history where you see an evil wizard going to kill a good wizard. But throughout history, there has always been evil people trying to hurt good people. And the situations that we see in this book are there really any kind of book hopefully that it that is written well you see scenarios in which good and evil clash and yeah they're a little more fanciful in those ways in, in the books themselves than what you have in the real world but you still have these real life scenarios that and, and real lessons you can learn from these books Because there's nothing original. Good versus evil is not original, and it won't ever be original again. There's not going to be a whole lot of originality you can put in good versus evil. But the lessons that you can learn from them and the way that you speak about good versus evil – you can come up with new ways for people to learn lessons because not everyone learns their lessons the same way. Take me, for example, uh, I have to learn my lessons the hardest way possible. It seems like, and I wouldn't change that about myself, but I still learn the lesson and it's different than how other people's would learn their lessons. And That's what these books do, and that's why I brought all of that up last week. And yes, it was a little heavy, but to make you think about how these books have impacted us because they they help us cope. They help us escape. They help us to get away from pain. And me personally, I go to the Bible for that now that's where I go. I, I, I go to the Word of God, and I still escape in the Harry Potter books. I still listen to them. I still get into them, and now I get to do it in this format where I'm talking about it on a podcast. But for me now, going to the Word of God is where I go to escape and, and, and to really find my peace and, and to get closer with God, and that's what I like to do personally. And I'm not saying that's what you need to do, but what I'm saying ultimately is these books and these stories, which the Bible also has stories, uh, real accounts of things that have actually happened. Here with the Harry Potter books, you have these stories. These are scenarios that while the way that they're being told is fake, the scenarios themselves are real. And we get to learn from them. We get to grow from them. We get to get a different perspective of life and experience things that we might not ever firsthand experience. I don't think that I'm ever going to have to experience good versus evil on a scale like this, but there are small ways, which I don't have any examples coming to the top of my head, but if I can think of some, I, I will let you definitely know, but there are ways in which we do get to experience these things. And if it's not firsthand, we get to see them through these books and we get to learn how to grow as a person, how to love. We get to know how to to be friends. We get to know what it's like to lose, what it's like to lose somebody that we love. We know what it's like to have to be in a situation where you have to be brave or a situation where it's okay to be scared, uh, a situation where it's okay to cry. We get to learn those things sometimes from these books. And that's why I wanted to bring that up last week is even though I brought up a very dark situation in regards to Harry killing somebody, there's still scenarios like that that happen in the world. And we should think about those things. And books like this should cause us to think about those things. And even with what's going on with our listener, Emily, uh, and again, I, I'm so sorry for your loss with your dad. I'm so glad that you have Harry Potter. I'm so glad that you have these books to escape and to 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 find yourself in them and and, and have a place of comfort. And I hope everybody has that. And I hope that everybody has the opportunity to see that these books are definitely a way to to learn and grow and escape. And they're more than just books about wizards. And they're not books about dark magic that are causing you to be possessed by demons or inviting demons in or anything like that. I've literally done an entire episode where – I sat and talked about how as a Christian, as I literally just talked about going to the Word of God. I do it every single day, reading my Bible every single day, praying every single day. And I absolutely love Harry Potter because there's nothing dark or demented or anything about this series in that sense, outside of good versus evil. And for people to say, well, it has magic, well, so does the Lord of the Rings, And it was written by a Christian author. So does the Chronicles of Narnia, written by a very profound and well-known Christian author. They both have magic in them. And so does that make them demonic as well? No, by no means, not at all. And neither is Harry Potter. And I would absolutely always recommend other Christians. If I have kids one day, hopefully, I'm going to have them listen and read Harry Potter. I can't wait to the same books that I'm going through this podcast with the, the Jim Kay illustrated books. I cannot wait until I have kids that are going to be old enough that I can sit there and read this to them at nighttime and show them the pictures and, and hopefully one day show them what this has meant to me. And so to get what I'm wanting to get to, Emily, thank you so much for the email. Thank you for sharing your experience. Thank you for listening. Thank you for interacting. It's exactly what I want. I want to interact with any and all of you if possible. So please, if this is your first time ever hearing this story, the Harry Potter story, uh, like my mom, for some reason, my mom is listening. Uh, Hi, mom. I know you're listening to this. She hasn't been through the stories before. And so, this is her first time getting to hear them. And for some reason, she's really enjoying listening to me as if 18 years of listening to me weren't enough for her. Uh, She's still going through and listening to me and enjoying listening to me because she's absolutely insane that way. Um, I want to know your thoughts. Not you, Mom. I already know your thoughts. I, I don't want to listen to those anymore. Um, but I want to hear your, your thoughts if this is your first time going through the series, the book, if this is your first time ever thinking about the books to the movies, or if you're just a movies person or a books person, or even better, if you know somebody who absolutely detests Harry Potter, ask them why. And then email me, gmail.com. I would love to hear why. I want to have your guys' interactions. I want to be able to speak with you guys, share your emails on the next episodes uh, as we start moving into the second book. And really quick on that, I don't know, there might be a few weeks break in between the first and second book. I'm still going to do a few episodes about this book in general, talking about it as a whole, but uh, there still might be a few different, uh, there might be a few weeks where we're taking a break here. And I want to hear your guys' thoughts on everything. I want to hear what you think. I want to hear your take. I want to hear all of it. And so please email me, at gmail.com And I will ask for your permission. If you do email me, I will ask for your permission if I can share what you have said. And if you don't want it to be shared, just let me know. Put it in the email and say, "Hey, this is just a personal story for you. Even if that's what it is, like if you just want to to talk, to speak to me, to tell me and share your experience, and you wanted to just be that, I'm totally okay with that. I know I'm a stranger; you don't know me, but hopefully by now you're comfortable enough with how much I have shared about myself to want to share your story and everything that you have gone through so far. But yes, so thank you, Emily. Thank you for your email. I'm so sorry for your loss." but thank you so much for emailing me. I really hope that you are doing well, that you are coping well, and I'm so glad that you are getting into the audiobooks. I would love for you, if you're listening, Emily, please, uh, tell me what you think of the audiobooks so far. Um, are you listening to Jim Dale? Are you listening to Stephen Fry? I personally don't like Stephen Fry as uh, a narrator. I, I don't know why I could not think of the word for that. He's not narrating, he's straight up reading it but I don't like Stephen Fry as much. I don't know if he has as much vocal range as Jim Dale does. I feel like Jim Dale does better with the voices, not to take away from Stephen Fry because he's a brilliant actor, but I really prefer Jim Dale. I would love to know what you think of it so far. What are your thoughts about the audiobooks versus the the actual books and, uh, and even just the movies and maybe Jim Dale's portrayals of characters? I think that Jim Dale does a better job with some characters than even the actors in the movies do. And that's a whole other conversation to get into later on. But yeah, I would love to know your thoughts. And anybody else who's gone through the audiobooks, please let me know. Again, at com. Now, initially, I did plan on doing a Beast because I have not – covered a a creature in a while and so I wanted to do one from Fantastic Beasts but I don't think I'm going to do one with this episode because I don't want to just randomly do one in the last episode itself Also, I apologize if it seems like my voice is getting a little hoarse. Not sure why it would be. I'm not sick, I promise. I'm not sick that much. If you want to talk to somebody who's sick, talk to my mom. It seems like every other day she's got a new illness. I'm pretty sure she's been able to create her own book of brand new illnesses. She is somehow brought into the universe. She is so sick all the time. Literally, I called her yesterday and she said hello. I was like, why do you always sound like you're dying? Like I don't understand. She's always sick all the time. And I mean, she does live with my youngest brother and like, I think they have like five kids now. I'm kidding. They, they have three, maybe three, maybe four. I think three, two, three, it's either two, three, or four somewhere in that range. I know that I think they just had a baby. I listen, I I'm kidding. They have three kids. Um, but they, uh, they, they just seem to always be sick, and that's what you get, I guess, when you live with a bunch of kids, uh, is is sickness. Uh, we don't have kids here, so we we don't get sick from kids, but uh, we seem to get ch- sick a lot from our, our church. But yeah, no idea why my voice seems to be getting a little hoarse at the moment. Now, like I said, the last episode, we had worked through... The conversation between Dumbledore and Harry, which is really the first one that you see to this magnitude where he's learning stuff. This isn't their first interaction, but this is the really their first in-depth conversation where Harry got to start asking questions, where he was asking about Snape. He was asking about Quarrel. He asked why Snape hated his father, and we got a little bit of tidbit about that. And he asked why Voldemort couldn't touch him and why Voldemort tried to kill him as a baby, and some of the answers Dumbledore couldn't give him because he didn't feel that Harry was old enough yet and that he would share it with him when he was older. And we saw Dumbledore try a Bertie Botts every favor, every favor, every flavor bean. Wow, I am struggling still. If you guys are wondering, I did – have that surgery, to have uh, my, my tooth fixed, and then went in the other day to have a another tooth fixed that was impacted from that wisdom tooth. And so yeah, still uh, still dealing with mouth stuff, but not nearly as bad, but nonetheless still stumbling over my words. And since I have decided to go about not really editing as much as I have been, there's, you're getting a lot more of my fumbles and, uh, my, uh, my mumble mouth, as I like to call it, where I, uh, just stumble over my words. You're getting a lot more of my us and ums and you're getting a lot more of my actual talking personality and getting to see that more and more, uh, which I guess could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. If it's a bad thing to you, I apologize. Um, but you're going to have to deal with my mumble mouth because editing takes so long, but they had finished their conversation with the fact that the Sorcerer's Stone has been destroyed and Nicholas and Paranel Flamel are dead. Kidding. They're going to die, but they're they're going to be able to live out the, the rest of their life doing the thing. They have enough elixir of life left to be able to set their affairs in order, as Dumbledore puts it. And, and if you've never seen not seen or heard of the books, The Secrets of the Immortal Nicholas Flamel, there's a series of them, The the Alchemist, The Magician, The Sorceress or Sorcerer or something like that. They are amazing books. I have personally only read them uh, or listened to them as audiobooks. And they're really good. If you really enjoy the storyline around the Flamel's, Nicholas and per- Perenelle Flamel, I highly recommend the first one, The Magician, The Secrets of the Immortal Nicholas Flamel. A lot of magic, no Harry Potter references in it that I had picked up, but it's also been since I was uh, a teenager, since I had went through them. An amazing series. I highly recommend it. If you have not heard of them or read them, definitely go read them or listen to them. They, they are amazing. But yeah, so we found out about the fates of the Flamels, and the conversation ended with Dumbledore getting the earwax-flavored jelly bean. And so then into the rest of the chapter, now we see after that conversation, Harry is pleading with Madame Pomfrey to please let Ron and Hermione in. And she's saying, no, Madame Pomfrey is the matron – she was, as described here, a nice but very strict woman. She is in charge of the hospital wing, and she says, no, you need to rest, and Harry says, I am resting. I'm, I'm laying down in bed. You let Dumbledore in, so why can't they come in? And finally she gives in says, okay, but only five minutes. So Ron and Hermione come in, and Hermione looks like she's ready to just throw her arms around him. But Harry was glad that she she held herself in. And his head was still very sore. So he's laying in bed. He's still obviously sore. And we see that they are completely just – I wouldn't say dumbfounded, but they were worried. They didn't know what happened yet beyond the, the – fire doors that Harry and Hermione had went through. And so they're saying that the whole school's talking about it but really but what really happened. And the next paragraph talks about how the actual story is much more wild than the rumors that were being created because nobody seemed to really actually know what happened. And so Harry told them the truth about Quirrell and the Mirror of Erised, the Sorcerer's Stone, and Voldemort. And we see that Harry and Ron were both a very good audience because they gasped in all the right places. And Harry told them what was under Quirrell's turban, which was Voldemort. And at that point, Hermione had actually screamed out loud. And so finally, Ron asks, the stone's gone. Flamel's just going to die. And Harry said, well, that's what I said. But Dumbledore thinks that Well, he said, to the well-organized mind, death is but the next great adventure. And Ron says, I always said that he was a bit off of his rocker. And he didn't know if he was impressed or if he was mad about – or if like – let me make that make sense because – Looking quite impressed at how mad his hero was. So I, th- I one, I think that's really cool. Ron looks up to Dumbledore as a hero, but he's impressed with just how crazy he also is. And now the next bit is precisely with something that I have been talking about when it comes to Dumbledore. So I'm going to kind of go off of what it says here. Harry asks, what happened to you two? And Hermione says, well, well, I got back. All right. I brought Ron around. It took a while. We were dashing up to the Owlery. Oh, I hate that word. owl, Owlery. Ugh, I hate it. It's a dumb word. Going up to the tower where the owls are to contact Dumbledore when we met him in the entrance hall. He already knew. He just said Harry's gone after him, hasn't he? And he hurled off to the third floor. And so she asked, Ron asks, do you think he meant for you to do it, sending you your father's cloak and everything? And Hermione says, exploded. Well, if he did, I mean to say, that's terrible. You could have been killed. And Harry says, no, it isn't. He's a funny man, Dumbledore. I think he sort of wanted to give me a chance. I think he knows more or less everything that goes on here, you know? I reckon he had a pretty good idea we were going to try. And instead of stopping us... He just taught us enough to help. I don't think it was an accident he let me find out how the mirror worked. It's almost like he thought I had the right to face Voldemort if I could. And I think it goes well beyond that. I think that Dumbledore understood that it needed to be Harry to actually stop Voldemort. and Not that Dumbledore couldn't do it. I think Dumbledore could have done it with his eyes closed, with his hands tied behind his back and wandless easily still take Voldemort especially in the body of Quirrell but it just speaks leaps and bounds to what I've been saying that I think Dumbledore is absolutely in control of everything going on around him in particular at the school I think that he is just such a powerful wizard and he's so intelligent I mean think about how old he is and he has spent so much time studying and and already being naturally intelligent it I just love it It, there's a reason why he's my favorite character he's my hero that I look up to in in fiction and it's just it's so cool to see it being brought out even more through Harry and yeah it's cool seeing Hermione's concern and what I think a lot of the world likes to meme about today which is oh Dumbledore's knack is to just let teenagers handle everything. No, he was handling everything just fine. Uh, He was allowing, as Harry says here, for them to try their strength, I think, and and to do more and to really help them overcome and to let other people get the success. We don't ever really see Dumbledore outside of his... Well, I don't want to say what I'm about to say because it's going to be a little bit of a spoiler alert, but I'm going to shorten it. We don't really see... Dumbledore take a lot of credit for success he does allow others to succeed and I really admire that about him now the next paragraph is just Ron telling Harry about the results of the last Quidditch match in which they had lost to Ravenclaw because Harry wasn't able to play because he's in the hospital wing and that he needs to come to the feast uh Slytherin's got all the points so it'll be about them but the food will probably at least be good and then Madame Pomfrey kicks them out says you've had nearly 15 minutes so now out now in the movie after we see Harry and Dumbledore's interaction we see that Harry actually leaves the hospital wing and he looks up and sees Harry and sees Harry sees himself standing at the railing plot twist I bet you guys didn't know this if you've never been through the books Sorry, that was actually me stumbling over my words again, but Harry looks up and sees Ron and Hermione standing behind this railing, I guess just waiting for him to come out of the hospital wing or something. I don't know. Maybe they've just been waiting there the entire time, or maybe that's the the waiting banister for the hospital wing. Everybody who is waiting for somebody in the hospital wing has to wait behind that particular banister and only that banister. Either way, in the movies, that's where they're waiting. Harry comes out. They look down. and You get the big cheesy smile from Hermione with her, her big fake Hermione teeth that Emma Watson had to wear and Ron looking down at Harry as well. Uh, it's a really cool little moment uh, as you get to see their friendship and how much they actually care about each other in that moment in the movie that is. Now, this next part is one of my favorite parts in this series because, again, you get to see Hagrid and his care and his comfort for Harry. So the next day, Harry got a good night's sleep. He was asking Madame Pomfrey if, she, if he could go to the feast. She said that Dumbledore instructed her to let him go, and so he's to go. And – she also told him that before he left the hospital wing that he had another visitor. And so in comes Hagrid, and Hagrid is in tears. like He, he starts crying. He says, it's all my ruddy fault. And he's sobbing with his hands over his face. I told that evil git how to get past Fluffy. I told him it was the only thing. He didn't know how, and I told him, you could have died after just for a dragon egg. I'll never drink again. I should be chucked out and made to live like a muggle. And Harry says, Hagrid, like, get a hold of yourself. He's like, we, we, we saved the day. We stopped Voldemort from getting the stone. And Hagrid says, don't say the name. You could have died. Don't say the name. And Harry bellows out, Voldemort. Or if you're listening to Jim Dale say it, they don't add the ths it's just Voldemort. And Hagrid was so shocked that he had just stopped crying as typical effect when people say Voldemort. And Harry says, please, I've met him. I'm calling him by his name. Cheer up, Hagrid. We saved the day. We got the stone. It's gone. Have a chocolate frog. I've got loads. And so Hagrid wipes his nose and he says, that reminds me I've got you a present. Harry says it's not a stoat sandwich because he doesn't want any more of Hagrid's cooking because he seems to like to put rocks in everything and probably because He's just such a big dude that he needs to eat rock-like things in order to actually have texture in his food or something. I don't know. But Harry does not want to take his chance on Hagrid's food anymore. And he says, nah, Dumbledore gave me the day off. It's one of my favorite lines, nah. Can I say nah a lot myself? Hagrid says, nah, Dumbledore gave me the day off yesterday to fix it. Of course, he should have sacked me instead anyway. Yeah, I got you this. And so it was a very handsome leather covered book. And Harry opens it up. He's very curious about it, but it was full of wizard photographs. So they're smiling and waving up at him from every page. It was his mother and father. And this is something I thought would have been a very interesting aspect to see. Hagrid said, I sent owls to all your parents' old school friends, asking them for photos. Knew that you didn't have any. Do you like it? And It says that Harry couldn't speak. And even right now, I'm reading this line and it gets me emotional. Um, Whenever Harry's emotional, I get emotional. Um, It says Harry couldn't speak, but Hagrid understood. Harry is getting to see not a magical – it's still magical, but not a magical interpretation of his parents through a – mirror. He's not getting to see a magical apparition created by Voldemort in order to trick him, which is what I think really what he more saw maybe in the mirror in the movies when their faces pop up. He's getting to see actual photos of his mom and dad waving, smiling up at him. The first time that he's probably ever got to really genuinely see his parents smile. And I know that not everybody who reads those words gets to to, to understand what that would mean to them. Um, growing up, obviously my brother and I, my brother David and myself, we, we grew up in a divorced home. And our dad, uh, without getting into details, just wasn't a good dad. And we were lucky enough to have another man, Gary, who I've spoke about before in our lives to step up and kind of fill that role. And yeah, we had a stepdad and Kenny, um, but that relationship was never what it was between us and Gary and and Gary being my my best friend, Cody's dad, um, which I'm super excited about because Cody's getting married in October. And obviously we are in that wedding and the best man of that wedding. And I, I can't wait. But his dad Gary was our our dad essentially we looked at him as a dad and we grew up in a home where i i can't tell you one time where i could ever think of um my father genuinely smiling at me out of just happiness or joy or delight and not to to poop all over this this moment here I'm saying what I understand is what that could be like to look down and for Harry, for the first time ever seeing his parents, probably like that, waving at him, smiling at him, probably seeing photos of other people in their lives that they would have been friends with, maybe. And it, it was such a special moment. It said so that Harry couldn't speak, uh, and Hagrid understood. It, it's such an emotional moment after everything. And I love it. It's one of my favorite parts in this entire series. And I know in the movie when Haggard gives him that book, which is at the very end of the movie when he's getting on the train to leave, you see Harry look down at this photo of his parents who look pretty old for for when they were supposed to have died, um, dancing in front of a fountain, I believe. And it was just a really cool photo to see. And, yeah, I about those photos. I think it's really cool that we have the ability to make GIFs now. We can make loops with our with with phones today, we can take a photo that's a live photo and we can put it in a loop and we can send that to somebody. Essentially, we have started creating these moving photos that wizards have with technology, which gets into the entire conversation about Hermione that loves to talk about, or not even so much Hermione, but maybe more of Mr. Weasley. And sometimes when Hagrid talks about it, the ways that muggles come up to replicate uh, the effects of what magic would be able to do. And totally off topic, but I thought that was really cool to, to talk about because I love being able to, to send that. And it would be cool if there was, maybe I need to make this app, a an app where Everything's Harry Potter themed, and you send gift photos like that as if you're sending a Harry Potter photo. Maybe that'd be a really cool app to make. Uh, I don't know how to make apps, so if anybody knows how to make apps, uh, you can go ahead and make that app. Uh, just maybe throw a few dollars my way if you start making money off of it. Now, Harry makes his way to the feast, and everything's decorated in green because the Slytherin colors winning the House Cup. It's going to be for the seventh year in a row. There's a huge banner showing the Slytherin Serpent covered... Uh, the wall behind the high table where the teachers were sitting and so Harry walks in and there was a sudden hush and everybody started talking very loudly at once and so he slips into his seat at the Gryffindor table between Ron and Hermione and people were standing up to look at him but fortunately Dumbledore arrives just a few moments later and all of the chatter kind of dies away and Dumbledore starts his end of year speech. Another year gone and I must trouble you with an old man's wheezing waffle before we sink our teeth into some delicious feast. And what a year it has been. Hopefully your heads are a little fuller than they were when you ha- before when you showed up with the whole summer. And now you get to have them all nice and emptied over this summer. Now, as I understand it, the house cup here needs a warding, and the points stand as thus. And he goes through with Gryffindor in last, Slytherin in first. And there was a large cheering at The Slytherin table and Malfoy was banging his goblet on the table. It was a sickening sight. And Voldemort says, well done, Slytherin. Well done, Slytherin. But about to poop on your parade too. And he says that there are recent events that has to be taken into account, which they obviously should because it still happened during the school year. And so Dumbledore's not really out of bounds here. By doing what he's doing. Like these points still need to be awarded. They did good things. And so yes we know what's going on. Uh, Ron is getting some points. He is getting a lot. For the best played game of chess. Hogwarts had seen in its many years. 50 points. And there were a bunch of cheers. And Percy is. Oh my brother you know. The youngest brother. He's part of my, my family. And he's being all pompous Percy. Which I can't stand. And. Then there was silence. And then the next one, Dumbledore says, second, to Miss Hermione Granger for the cool use of logic in the face of fire. And he awards Gryffindor House another 50 points. And Hermione buries her face in her arms. And Harry thinks that she burst into tears, but she probably did. She's very emotional in this book. And then third, to Mr. Harry Potter. And then the room went deadly quiet. And he says, for pure nerve and outstanding courage, I award Gryffindor House 60 points because for some reason beating Voldemort was only worth 10 more points than what the other two had done. And it says that the noise was deafening. Those who could add up while yelling themselves hoarse knew that Gryffindor had 472 points, exactly the same as Slytherin. They had drawn for the house cup. If only Dumbledore had given Harry just one more point. And yet Dumbledore raises his hand again, and you're probably thinking, well, then who who could have done this? Well, if you've seen the movies, you know who. If you've not been through the books or the movies, you're probably thinking, well, what is going on? Well, of course, there are all kinds of courage, says Dumbledore. It takes a great deal of bravery. Let's try that again. It takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies but just as much to stand up to our friends. I therefore award 10 points to Mr. Neville Longbottom. Here comes Neville saving the day because he is a beast. He's up there on my list of favorite characters in the entire story. And it's one of my favorite lines in the entire series. Someone standing outside the great hall might well have thought some sort of explosion had taken place. So loud was the noise that erupted from the Gryffindor table. And so we see Harry, Ron and Hermione, they're standing up to yell and cheer as Neville, white with shock, disappeared under a pile of people hugging him. He had never won so much as a point for Gryffindor before. And I love that again, never winning a point, And yet, wins the cup winning points for Gryffindor and it's such an amazing moment where you see the person who is the least of literally the least of in the entire class the one on top winning everything for them and I love it it's one of my favorite points I say that with every part was one of my favorite points this one is one of my favorite favorites like out of my favorite points this is one of my favorites out of my favorite points it's that kind of favorite and then on the next page, we have one of my favorite, again, oh, I need to stop saying it. This is a really good portrait painting picture that Jim Kay did of the Great Hall. You have all of the candles floating and you have this, imagine if you were the photographer, you were crouched down, maybe on your knees pointing your camera up towards one of the back corners of the room. If you're on the other side of the room, you can see the magically enhanced ceiling that's showing the outside sky with the moon behind it and the stars, and then slowly becoming visible to show these gargoyles that are standing guard over the tops of the walls. And then coming down the walls where you have these beautiful ornate stone archways that come all the way down to the floor. And then you have Probably 70 to 80 floating candles drawn in here at different depths into the picture. The very back wall, you see a few portraits. And then on the foreground here is all the students cheering. You see hands in the air, scarves. It looks like confetti maybe. And then you get to see up close four people. From left to right is Neville, Ron, Harry, and Hermione. Neville looking there, the silly little smile and these big cheeks and the the kind of out-of-control hair that he also has with these big ears and the gap in between his teeth. And then you have Ron standing a head taller, which is great attention to detail because in every story that we have here, Ron is always the tallest. And so even here, he's the tallest. Standing next to Harry with his arm around him, Harry next with his untidy jet black hair, the glasses that are still broken in the middle and cracked in the frames, mind you smiling. And then on the far right, Hermione looking over with just her eyeballs at the other three, her big bushy hair and big teeth and her just a big cheesy smile. It's a great picture of celebration. It's amazing. One of my my favorite pictures for sure. Dumbledore continues on saying, which means That there needs to be a little change in decoration and he claps his hands. All of the green turns to scarlet and the Gryffindor colors and the Gryffindor lion. And they won. They they won the House Cup. And Harry says to himself, or he's thinking to himself, it was the best feeling of Harry's life. Better than winning at Quidditch or Christmas or knocking out mountain trolls. He would never, ever forget tonight. And so then we come abruptly to the end of the year. their exam results come out. Harry and Ron both pass. Hermione is the top of her class. Somehow Neville makes it through his good herbology mark, making up for his abysmal potions mark. And even Crabbe and Goyle somehow passed, to which Ron said, well, you can't have everything in life. And then, and the next thing you know, their wardrobes are empty, their trunks are packed. Neville's toads found lurking in a corner of one of the toilets. And Students are being handed notes about not to use magic over the holidays, that being the summer, they call it the holidays, not doing magic outside of school. And Fred Weasley says that we always hope that they forget to give us these, to which it wouldn't have mattered anyways, because they're being, spoiler alert, not going to say it because it, it's more into the next book. Don't want to say it. Hagrid takes them down to the fleet of boats that take them across the lake they were boarding the Hogwarts Express, talking and laughing as the countryside became greener and tidier. They were eating Bertie Botts' Every Flavor Beans. They were pulling off their wizard robes and putting on jackets and coats and pulling into Platform 9 and 3 quarters at King's Cross Station. And something that I think is really interesting is that you see, I'm guessing, probably just the first years, if I had to guess, because it doesn't like explicitly say... But they took the boats back across the lake for the first years, which is really cool. That's not something that's ever really talked about because in the movie, they're just getting onto the platform and then heading off. And that's how the movie ends to where Harry says, I'm not really – not going home. Not really. And I don't know why I said it like that, but that's, that's what he says. And – It took a while for them to get off the platform and there was this wizened old guard that was up by the ticket barrier letting them go through the gate in twos and threes so that they didn't attract any attention by coming out of the wall on the other sides and then scaring muggles. And Ron says, you must come and stay the summer, both of you. I'll send an owl. Harry says, thanks. I'll need something to look forward to. And so people are moving along out of the gateway into the muggle world. Some of them called, bye, Harry. See you, Potter. And Ron, grinning at him, says, you're still famous. And he says, not where I'm going, I promise you. And they hear, there he is, mom. Look, there he is. And It was Ginny Weasley, Ron's younger sister. And she wasn't pointing at Ron. Harry Potter, look, mom, I can see. And then his mom said, be quiet, Ginny. It's rude to point. Miss Weasley was looking down, smiling at them. And she asked, "Busy year?" And Harry said, "Yeah, thanks for the fudge and the jumper, Missus Weasley." And she says, "Oh, it was nothing, dear. Ready are you?" It was Uncle Vernon, still purple-faced, still mustached, still looking furious at the nerve of Harry carrying an owl in a cage in a station full of ordinary people. And so then behind him stood Aunt Petunia and Dudley. They were looking at the t- like they're looking at Harry, terrified. They they look terrified at the side of Harry. He is now more equipped than he was before. He, they should be terrified. And Mrs. Weasley, Mrs. Weasley says, you must be Harry's family. And Vernon says, in a manner of speaking, hurry up, boy, we haven't got all day. And he started to walk away. Harry hangs back for just one last word with two of his friends, Ron and Hermione. And they he says to them, I'll see you over the summer then. And Hermione says, I hope you have a good... um." Holiday, And she was looking at Uncle Vernon. She's surprised at how unpleasant somebody can be. And then she's taken aback by Harry's grin. He says, oh, I will. And they just don't understand why he, he's grinning. And he says, they don't know that I'm not allowed to use magic at home. I'm going to have a lot of fun with Dudley this summer. And then that's the end. There's one last picture on the right-hand side where I think you have one of the more unique – renditions of Hogwarts it's really really unique in the sense of you're looking at I don't know what part of the castle this is but it's I'm, I'm I would have to guess maybe one of the sides of the castle that face out of the lake because you can see in the background there's the moon that's very faint in the top. There's some birds way off in the distance and then coming all the way down to the bottom into the page, you see some small trees surrounding it looks like a body of water. And so I'm guessing this is the lake or part of the lake. But the thing that is unique about this is on the entire right hand side of the picture is the castle. From the top of the page to the bottom of the page. But there's a part of it that if I had to guess maybe was the great hall because of how long it is and how large it looks. But it's not sitting on the ground. It's actually being held up by dozens of trees, by the trunks of the trees, holding up that portion of the castle. And you can see under it and you can see through the trees itself into the foreground behind it. And so I say unique because of that. The castle itself has a bunch of turrets, a bunch of windows. It looks like it's purple. It might be the lighting, but it looks like the roof is purple. And then the rest of it is that typical stone, yellowish, maybe tan to a gray color, while the roof itself is purple. And it's just a really cool, unique picture of Hogwarts Castle itself. And as I said, that is it. That's the last part of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. And I honestly can't believe we're here. Like it it seems like maybe a month ago we started this book and now we're at the end of the first book. We've made it here. And I honestly, I'm at a loss for words. It's crazy to think that we finished it, that that was the end of the first book. And I remember getting to the ends of the book and every time I would listen to the audiobooks and I'd get to the end and I would just I would get sad because it was over Uh, but then you get to start it again and get to pick out things that you've never seen before and and pick up on things that you didn't notice or that seem to make sense to you now that you know more about the story and yeah I really hope that everyone listening enjoyed it I hope you enjoyed my take on it I hope you enjoyed the things that I was able to point out if there are things that I missed please let me know commonroomtalk at gmail.com. Let me know. Tell me what you think of it. If there's things that it means differently to you or anything like that, please. I would love to hear from you guys. And I look forward to the next episode where we're going to talk about the book in general and just what it means to people. And I'll, I'll talk about a few other things and a few other books and some stuff from Pottermore. And it's going to be a really good time. Thank you guys again so much for listening. This is only possible because of you. Uh, If nobody listened, then I guess it would be pointless to do this. But for some reason, people are still listening. Uh, There's still somebody in Romania who who is listening to this. And if you're listening, please uh, reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you in all of this. And again, just thank you so much. I, I can't express that enough. I can't express my gratitude, my thanks Enough to you for listening. Uh, and the most I can do is just ask you to interact with me and talk with me. That way, I can share your experience with other people, and and people can get to to know all of you and the Harry Potter fans better. Again, we are on Facebook, we are on Instagram. I'm so bad at updating the social media, and I'm so sorry for it. I'm trying to get better. I'm just so bad at social media. It's a struggle for me. But I we are on there. Common room talk. You can find us maybe it be it would be good to have more people especially on the Facebook page for more interactions still trying to grow it if you know anybody who enjoys Harry Potter you know anybody who would like to listen to a podcast or likes listening to podcasts or even dislikes Harry Potter and you want them to have a fresh take on it or for whatever reason family friends coworkers tell them about it um, my favorite thing is hearing my coworkers telling their kids about it and I have I have coworkers whose kids are listening to this now. I have friends whose kids are listening to this. I shared the story before, but one of my good friends, his son, is listening to this and, and learning. He says he thinks he's learning how to talk because of it. And I feel so sorry for him that he's gonna have to listen to a kid who learned to talk for me because he's probably gonna talk a lot like me, and uh, it's just not good for anybody who has to deal with that for a long period of time. Uh, for examples, ask my wife. But yeah, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for everything that you guys do. Please interact with me. Common Talk at gmail.com. Again, my name is Tony. I'm your host, and this is Common Room Talk.